Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. We hope you brought your spiritual appetite this morning and also your physical appetite this morning. And we hope that you can stay with us after the service for our first potluck in our new building. We're looking forward to it. On Sunday mornings, we are studying the letter of 1 John. So if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, we're going to be in the letter of 1 John. John is writing to us in this letter all about the subject of fellowship. He is teaching us that God created us to have fellowship with him, God, and also with each other. That it's more than a relationship. We can have a relationship with somebody and not have fellowship with them. To have fellowship with someone, including God, means to have a close connection, to, to have an intimate uh, connection with someone, to be close to someone. In fact, I'd like to illustrate it this way this morning. Some of you throughout your earthly life may have come across somebody in your life, whether it's a family member or a friend, that you would consider to be a, a kindred spirit. And how I describe a kindred spirit would be this. That person in your life that you can look at each other. You can just exchange, exchange eye contact and you know what each other's thinking without saying it. Or that person that they begin to speak and you can complete their sentence. Or the person who is about ready to say something and you know what they're going to say before they even say it. You see, that kind of connection, that closeness, that being able to complete each other's sentences and know each other's thoughts, that's the kind of fellowship that God wants us to have with him. And that's the kind of fellowship that he wants us to have with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, not all of them, but at least some of them, because that's how God created us. So throughout this letter of 1 John, John's been talking to us about aspects, different aspects of fellowship, and he wants to continue that this morning in this way. And I hope you can follow along with me because I was sharing with the worship team before we came out this morning as we were praying back there that this is one of those Sundays or Wednesdays even where it's like, it's making sense to me in my head, but I'm wondering if it's going to make sense to you when I start to speak it. You know how in your relationships at times it's like something makes perfect sense to you and you feel like you're communicating it so clearly and the other person that you're talking to is just looking at you like, I got nothing. What are you talking about? So that's sort of where I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you don't look at me that way. I mean, you can, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping not. So here's how I'd like to start. I'd like to actually give you sort of the outline of where we're going and then we'll dive into it this morning. First of all, God invites us to align our hearts with his heart. In fact, that's really what fellowship is. It goes back to that whole thing of knowing what someone's thinking, completing their, whatever. God invites us to align our hearts with his heart. That goes beyond relationship. And what John is going to teach us today is that an aligned heart with God becomes an alive heart. An alive heart becomes an assured heart, and an assured heart becomes an asking heart. 
Let's begin by talking about our heart aligning with God. And what John is going to use this morning is very specific. Out of all the things that he could use, he was impressed by the Holy Spirit of God as he was writing to say, I'm going to dwell on one aspect of our whole life, and I'm going to zero in on that this morning as far as talking about how do we align our hearts with God, and what does he pull out? Our love for our fellow Christians, which I think is very appropriate on a Sunday where we're having a potluck and where we're going to sit down together and have a meal together. Because again, like many Christians, we throw out that word fellowship simply to mean I sit down with somebody across the table from them and we share a meal together. That's not fellowship, technically. That's just eating together. Fellowship is where our hearts begin to connect. Fellowship is when we begin to share ourselves with somebody else and we get to know each other and we build friendships and we build relationships and that's where John is headed this morning. In fact, I'd like to begin in the middle of verse 16 of actually chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 16, in the middle of that verse, John says, God is love. And he talks a lot about that. But then notice what he says. The one who resides in love resides in God, and God resides in him. And that word resides is a word that John and other biblical writers use to talk about fellowship, something more than relationship. So is the word abide. So is the word, obviously, fellowship. It's a, it's a word that speaks about settling down and sort of being at home with one another. So John here is not talking about the fact that if I don't reside in love, that I have no relationship with God. No, we could have a relationship with God and not be a very loving person. But John says, you want to be close to God? Then that means you're going to have to be willing to be close with God's people. See, what John is going to tell us today is that if we're going to embrace God, then we've got to embrace our brothers and sisters in Christ too because you can't have one without the other. In fact, if you go down to verse 20 of chapter 4, John gets pretty specific. He says, if anyone says, I love God and yet hates his fellow Christian, he's a liar. Because how can one who does not love their fellow Christian whom they have seen, they cannot love God whom they have not seen? It's incompatible, it's incongruent, it doesn't line up. If I can't show love to somebody that I do see right in front of me, John says, then it's a further stretch to say somehow I can express God or love to a God that's invisible, you see, that's not right there with me. And then he goes on to say in verse 21, he says, and here is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his fellow Christian too. Now, I want to go back to something that John said in verse 20 about hate. Because we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Many Christians will go, well, I don't, I don't hate my fellow Christians. I don't hate another Christian. Let's remember something. When John talks about hate, hate is not something that is simply expressed aggressively or actively, it's also something that's expressed passively. 
In other words, we can express hate to others in a very passive way. Not passive aggressive, but simply passive. What do I mean by that? Let me give you a couple examples. Indifference, isolation, coldness, exclusion, and unconcern towards others is a way of passively expressing hatred. In other words, I don't care. I'm going to remove myself from you. I'm going to distance myself from you. I have no feelings towards you. All of those are expressions of, because see, some of you especially who aren't very black and white people, you mostly exist in the gray area. John's not going to be somebody that you like too much because John's not a lot of gray. John's pretty much black and white. John says, if you're not loving somebody, then you're, you're hating them. There, there is no middle ground. Either we're loving as we should be or we're not loving as we should be. But there is no, well, I'm almost loving them. No. There is no such thing, John says. Sorry, that may be the way you try to rationalize it and excuse it and make yourself feel good, but at the end of the day, if you're not truly loving your fellow Christian, then John says you and I really aren't close to God. We really can't resign, reside with God because to reside in love is to reside in God and God resides in us. Amen. So God is saying, I want you to align my heart with your heart. Or I want you to align your heart with my heart as God. But in order to do that, that means you've got to start expressing love to others, especially to your fellow Christians, to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then John goes on, if you go back to chapter 3, notice in verse 11, he picks this up back there. He says, this is the gospel message we've heard from the beginning that we should love one another, 1 John 3.11. God has told us that from the very beginning, and then Jesus picks up on that, and as he comes into the world, he says, oh, and I'm going to take it a step further. Don't just love your neighbor as yourself, but love one another as I have loved you. So now here's where we get into the fact that when I begin to align my heart with God, and one of the ways that I do that is by residing in love, being a loving person, receiving God's love for me and then sort of being a conduit and just letting God's love flow through me to others. By the way, let, let me stop and say this. The reason why God invites us to align our hearts with him and fellowship with him and reside in him and abide in him is because God understands we actually can't love others the way we should. And especially, we can't love others as God loves us unless we're living in fellowship with God. Because it is supernatural. That agape love that we as Christians throw around and talk about, that the Bible talks about all the time, loving one another, that can only happen when you and I are allowing God to empower us. Without God empowering us, we can't love at that level. We will default to selfish, to thinking about myself and only being about me and not selfless and not sacrificial in any way. The only way we can live consistently selfless, sacrificial lives is with God's help. Amen. So that's why God says, 
I not only want you to line your heart up with me, but I want you to learn that if you're going to live a life of love, you have got to stay connected to me. If you start distancing yourself from me, if you unplug yourself from me, you will never have the capacity or the ability on your own as a human being, even as a Christian who's in relationship with God, to be able to love others to the depth that I'm calling you to live, you see. So, John moves on. And in verse 14, this is where he begins to transition by teaching us about an aligned heart with God and how that aligned heart with God then leads to an alive heart. And again, I'm not talking about just our physical organ beating inside of us and keeping us physically alive. Remember, he talks here about eternal life. And, and having eternal life with God isn't just a quantity of life. It's not just the, the uh, uh, you know, uh, concept of living for all of eternity. It's a quality of life. It is living at the highest possible level as a human being I can live while I'm on this earth before I go to heaven. And notice what John says in verse 14 of chapter 3. He says, we know... We have crossed over from death to life when we love our fellow Christians. The one who does not love, he says in verse 14 at the end, resides in death. See what John's saying there? He's saying, basically, if you and I aren't living a life of love, we're really dying. We're dying as a Christian. Even as a Christian, we're dying. Which is why God says, I want you to align your heart with my heart so you can be a human being that lives all your life on this earth in love and with love because that's real living. That's really living. Jesus said the same thing. He said, you want to gain your life? Lose it. <laughs> Even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And even by his own example, Jesus said, the way to really live life is to live it selflessly and sacrificially. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. You see, God understands if you and I don't live in love, which then leads to things like forgiving others and, and covering a multitude of sins, which is what love does and all of that, what do we end up doing? We get bitter, we get resentful, we get disillusioned, we begin to harbor hate and all of that, you know, resentment, all of that towards others. And God says, you realize you're killing yourself when you do that. Which is why we teach people as Christians, we don't forgive others necessarily for their sake. You learn to forgive others for what they've done to us for our own sake or else it eats us up from the inside out. Amen. Right? Doesn't it? <laughs> It's like that cloud that hangs over us that we can't let go of when we don't live in love. And we lose out then on really experiencing life at its highest level. We, we, every day that we harbor hatred in our, in our hearts and resentment and bitterness and all those things, we are losing something of our life. And we're not really living life. We're not really alive. Because John is saying... The only way to really be alive is to align our hearts with God's heart and be a person who lives every day in love and with love towards others. That's how we even know that we've crossed over from death to life. And then he goes on to say, 
in verse 15, whoever hates his fellow Christian is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in them. Whoa, all of us are going, wait a minute. Again, I haven't murdered anybody. Remember what Jesus taught back in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew? He said the same thing, just a little bit differently. He says, you know why you need to get rid of that anger towards other people? Because he says that's how murder actually starts. See, it, it start, murder doesn't start with somebody actually just waking up and saying, I'm going to go kill somebody. I'm going to remove them physically from the earth. It starts with something was done. There becomes bitterness, resentment, anger, something, hatred. And it starts in the heart and in the mind. And over time, if it's not resolved in, in a way that it should be, then it can end up causing physical harm, you see. And again, many Christians would say, well, I, I haven't murdered another Christian. I, I would never murder anybody. I would never take the, the life of another human being at all. Let me, let me explain it this way, why John's using this pretty drastic way of saying it. Murder is ultimately just ridding our lives of someone we don't want anymore. It, it's removing somebody physically. That, that's, that's why people murder other people. Ultimately, I don't want this person around anymore. I don't, my life would somehow be easier or better or whatever. So they rationalize, I've got to remove them. Well, guess what? Maybe none of us in this room, hopefully, has ever gotten to that point where we physically took the life of another. But have you ever wanted to rid your life of somebody or remove somebody from your life? Or have you already done that in a way? Maybe, maybe you haven't, you know, gotten out a gun, gotten out a knife, taken a life, but have you said, I don't want them in my life anymore, so I'm literally like trying to just, just remove them as if they've never existed? Because ultimately that's what murder is. Instead of learning... <laughs> How to even love our enemies, which is, again, the only way I can do that is by living in fellowship and connection with God. I just simply start removing people and ridding people of my life. And pretty soon what you have is human beings, even Christians, who live their whole life just throwing this relationship away and this relationship away and that relationship away. And pretty soon they get to the end of their life and they look around and there's very few people left. Because they've just went through their life just going, nope, don't like you, don't like the way that... Because they never have learned, really, how to deal with relationships, how to work through issues with other human beings. So we just have disposable relationships. And God's trying to get us, especially as Christians, to see, how would that play out if I was that way with you? Amen. If somehow I just got to the point as God where I was tired of dealing with you where I was tired of you failing me all the time and, you know, not being obedient and not being loving and all this. And if I just threw you away because I didn't want to deal with you anymore, and God says, I would never do that with you. You never have to worry about me throwing you away or throwing you out of my life because I never will because my love for you is constant. My love for you is something you can always count on because my love for you is unconditional. And I want you to learn to love others the way I love you. Amen. You see? And John is saying, 
When we align our hearts with God heart, God's heart, we become alive. We really begin living. Because those who live in hate, according to God's word, they're not really living life. Their heart may be beating. They may be even successful as far as the world goes. They may have power, position, and prestige, but they're dying every day because they're living in hatred rather than living in love. And then John goes on to say, you want to talk about what it means to be alive in love? John says, look at 1 John 3.16, which, by the way, every, every Christian knows John 3.16. Every Christian should memorize 1 John 3.16, too. Because 1 John 3.16 says this, we have come to know love by this, that Jesus laid down his life for us. Thus, we ought to lay down our lives for our fellow Christians. Whoa. <laughs> for our fellow Christians. Are we laying down our lives for our fellow Christians? Again, John is saying that's the only way I can be in fellowship with God is to align my heart with him, to let my heart come alive and to begin to not live for me, but to begin to live also for others, to put the needs of others above myself, to start instead of being indifferent and cold and isolating myself from others and excluding others and being unconcerned, I should start have, you know, some kind of feeling for others to have empathy and sympathy for them and what they're going through. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. That's how we bear one another's burdens. That's how we pray for one another. When we can live in fellowship with each other and literally, you know, carry one another's stuff and care enough about each other to be able to share with each other and, again, to have that kind of connection. And that's why it so grieves me, and I can't even imagine if it grieves me, this failure of a human being, how it grieves God to see his children down here today that many of them don't think church is important. They don't think being part of a local church is important or really having relationships with other Christians are important. And I think to myself, have you read your Bible lately? How can you love other Christians if you don't even know other Christians? If you don't even fellowship with other Christians? If you have no connection or contact with other Christians, how can you carry these things out? How are you really living in love? And yet so many Christians today, they either don't go to church, aren't part of a church at all, aren't part of any kind of Christian community at all, or if they are, they're part of one of those churches where they can just come in on a Sunday, sit way in the back, be entertained by the professionals, put on the performance and leave and never really have contact with the presence of God or the presence of some other Christian. Amen. John says, no, sorry. What about laying down our lives for our fellow Christians? When does that take place? And then John gets real practical. In verse 17, he says, the one who has the world's possessions and sees his fellow Christian in need and shuts off his compassions against him. How does the love of God reside in such a person, John asks. John is saying, let's get real practical on the street here for a moment. He says, if I have the ability to help another Christian. Again, John hasn't even went outside of that, right? He doesn't need to. Because a lot of times, even as Christians, 
we're better at loving non-Christians than we are loving our fellow Christians. And John says, I want you to love everybody, but John says, if you can't learn to love your brothers and sisters in Christ with who you're going to spend eternity with, that's where it starts. That's where it starts. See, God wants us to start loving within our own family first, then work out to those outside of our family. And for us as Christians, our family is our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so John says, here's something real practical. You have the ability to bless another Christian. You hear that they have a need. He says, if you shut your compassions off against them, then God's love does not dwell in you. You could be a Christian. You could be related to God through the blood of Jesus Christ but you're not living in fellowship. You're not living close to God because to live close with God means you're also going to embrace God's people and you're going to love on them like God loves on you. By the way, to shut off our compassion simply means, again, we have no feeling, we have no sympathy, we have no empathy. In other words, we hear about another Christian going through something and we may have the ability to help, but we just keep on going. We're we're like the people in the Good Samaritan story, the religious people, Not the good Samaritan that stopped and really did something practical to help. No, we're like the two religious people that saw the poor guy, you know, beaten up by the side of the road and just went, oh, I'll pray for you. See you later. Bye. And just pass on by. John says, is that love? God doesn't love us that way. God could have sat up there in heaven and went, oh, you poor sinners, you're in such bad shape and you're going to die and spend all of eternity without me. Well, you know, I'll I'll pray for you. (laughs) No. Jesus says, I'm going down. I'm getting me a human body. I'm going to be willing to go to the cross and take on their sin to be their substitute. I will die in their place. I will be the perfect sacrifice that will appease the wrath of a holy God. I'll make it right so that they can live eternally with us. That's doing something about it. That's what love is. Which is why John says in verse 18 of 1 John 3, little children, let us not simply, let us not love with just word and with tongue, but in deed and in truth. Because love is active. Love doesn't just talk the talk. Love walks the walk, as we say. Love always does. You see, it is important that we speak words of love to others and be encouraging with our words because as the Bible says, there's death and life in the power of the tongue and we should be loving towards each other even in our speech. But Jesus and the Bible and John is telling us, but if it's just words, it doesn't go far enough. We've got to be willing to get our hands dirty and our feet dirty and and our ears and our eyes and be invested in each other and be willing to do something about it because that's the way God demonstrated his love towards us. You see. By the way, I think at this point, I need to share these verses with all of us because you want to talk about the priority of love from God's perspective? Let's be reminded of these first couple of verses in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and I have not love, I simply am a clanging gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophecy 
and know all mysteries and have all knowledge and I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything that I own and even pay the ultimate sacrifice without love, Paul says, it is of no value. That's the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. God's basically saying, without love, where are we? <laughs> where are we without love? Where would we be without the love of God in our lives? And even in this world today where there is so much Hatred. Where would we be even now if there wasn't at least some love being expressed by some people somewhere? Amen. And God is calling on his people to be light and to be that example in this world of darkness and hatred where instead of allowing hatred and bitterness and resentment to rule the day, we get out there every day and we love on each other. And it starts with how we treat one another which is what Jesus said, by this kind of love, all men will know that you're my disciples by having that quality of love for one another. John chapter 13. So we've seen here from this passage of Scripture that we've looked at in 1 John so far from chapter 4, chapter 3, God invites us to align our hearts with his. In order to do that, we've got to live a life of love, especially focusing on loving our fellow Christians. When we begin to align our hearts with God and live a loving life, our heart comes alive and we truly experience life. And when we do that, then John is going to tell us, here's another effect or result. Assurance, assurance. An aligned heart with God is an alive heart. An alive heart is an assured heart. Look at verse 19 of 1 John 3, 9. And we know that we have come to know the truth and that our, we are convincing our conscience in his presence, you see. If I love, as John talks about in verse 16, 17, and 18, using Jesus as an example, then John says, guess what? I come to know something. I come to know that I am of the truth. That's assurance. That's affirmation. And that we are convincing our conscience in his presence. I'll come back to that phrase in just a few moments. But then John goes on to say that if our heart condemns us, verse 20, God is greater than our conscience or our heart and knows all things. And then don't miss verse 21. Dear friends, if our conscience does not condemn us, we have confidence in the presence of God. I, I want you to look at verse 19 and 21 where it talks about the presence of God. Literally, it means living face to face with God, being close to God. And, and I want you to note something there. Again, why does God invite us to align our hearts with him and live in love so that we can come alive? It's so we can also have an assured heart so that we can truly live every day in his presence, not distancing ourselves from God, but literally living every day face to face with God. That's how God wants it. He doesn't want us to be far away from him. He always invites us to get closer 
And the way you and I do that is by aligning our hearts, having our hearts come alive in love, and then our hearts are assured. Where we find all of a sudden this confidence and this boldness to live in his presence, to literally to live face to face with God every day and to have confidence in his presence. In verse 21, you see. That's what God wants. And here's why that's so important. Because notice verse 22. And this gets, to, gets us to the last point about an aligned heart is an alive heart, an alive heart is an assured heart, an assured heart is an asking heart. And this, can I just tell you, this blows me away when we begin to understand the concept of what John is saying here. Because look at verse 22. And whatever we ask, no conditions, right? Whatever we ask, verse 22, we receive from him. But now don't stop there. Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him. John's coming full circle, and I'll get to that in just a moment, but I got to take this step by step. Do you see what John is saying? He's saying when you and I have assurance of our relationship with God and we're living close to him and we've got that confidence, we begin to ask. And we have no hesitation about asking because we know we're on the same page with God. We're aligned with God. Our hearts are aligned. And it's all good. It's like our relationships with each other. You know how sometimes you feel very uncomfortable asking somebody that you don't know very well for a favor? because you don't know. Do they want to help me? You know, they, they may even said at church, hey, if you ever need anything, you know, just ask them. But you don't really know them. You don't have that fellowship with them yet. So you're sort of unsure. First of all, maybe you don't even ask at all. And then if you do start to ask, you sort of have that fear and trepidation is I, I hope I'm not asking for something that they're going to, you know, be not want to do or, you know, all that. It, you know what I'm saying? But when you have a relationship in your life, where you have that closeness with somebody, you have that fellowship, you and I know we don't hesitate going up to them and asking them for something, because guess what? We already know what their answer is going to be before we ask it, right? We already know, because there's such a connection there, there's such fellowship there, there's such comfortability there with them that we don't even hesitate going up to them and asking them, because we know what the answer is going to be. If there's any way that they can help us, they're going to do it. That's what God wants to see in his own children. And the sad thing is, so many Christians live their whole life on earth, never truly aligning their heart with, with God's heart, coming alive and being assured enough to actually practice verse 22, where they live their life truly asking God and knowing even, knowing ahead of time based upon the promise of this verse, that they're going to receive what they ask for no matter what it is because their heart is aligned with God's heart already. You see, why John says we'll receive whatever we ask for is because by the time you and I get to this place with God, whatever we're asking for is what we know God wants for us anyway. Amen. See, we'll never, when you and I are aligned that much with God, we will never ask God for something that we know he doesn't want for us. That's why John says, I want you to get to the place in your life as a Christian 
where you move from having simply a relationship with God to fellowship with God so that you can get so confident and so comfortable in the right way with your heavenly Father that you will simply bolt into the throne of God, that you will approach the throne of God with this freedom and this unreservedness of, of speech and you'll just let it fly and you will let your request be made known to God because you know already even before you speak it that your heavenly father wants that for you anyway Amen. and you're going to receive it because your heart's aligned with his heart and you're living a life of love and you're alive and you're so assured that you have that kind of confidence in his presence that's why Jesus had had to grieve the heart of Jesus when he said, you have not because you ask not. And the reason why so many Christians live their life not asking is because they're, they're always on that edge. Of, I don't know where me and God stand. Just like human relationships. I, I don't know whether I should ask him for that or not. See, God wants to remove all that doubt and all that hesitancy in our life. He wants us to be so aligned with him that as comfortable as we feel with another mere human being to go to them and ask for something, he wants us to have that same confidence and comfort with him. Whatever we ask of him, we receive it because we keep his commandments and we do the things that are pleasing to him. How different would our life be right now, even as individual Christians? And let me ask you this. If you had that kind of confidence right now in your Christian life, that assurance, what would you ask God for? And see, I think even as churches, we've got to get to that place. Part of the reason why, you know, churches might be growing physically, but why churches are not making the spiritual impact in our country and our world that they should be, why community of believers aren't rocking it for God, is because we've missed this concept. We're gathering a lot of people together, but are we truly living in the presence of God and experiencing his presence, even through things like worship? Let me say this. I'm sort of throwing something out for our worship series that's going to start in about a month. You know some Christian's heart isn't right with God when they don't want to come to church. Because again, how can I say I'm tight with God, but I'm not tight with God's people at all? John says, nope, can't be that way. And you know something's wrong in the heart of a Christian whenever they don't want to pray. Because again, John would say, you don't want to pray? <laughs> you don't want to talk to your heavenly Father who loves you more than anybody? You don't want to ask him for anything? If your heart is aligned with his, you'll be praying. How about spending time in his word? Something wrong with a Christian's heart if they don't want to be in the Bible, hear what God has to say to them. And here's the next thing. You know there's something wrong in the heart of a Christian when they don't want to worship. When they don't want to be amongst other believers and lift up the name of the Lord and praise him and worship him. And the sad thing is we've reduced it to arguing with each other about our human preferences for worship rather than coming into the presence and person of God and exalting and lifting him up. Amen. You see, when our heart is aligned with God, we'll want to keep doing the things that continue to keep us close and make us not only close to God, but close to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we have no desire for that or we don't want to do that, then we have a heart problem. 
And we need to begin to align our hearts with God. And I'm going to end with this, but I want you to, because I say that I immediately, some of you start checking out. Pastor said he's about done. Hang in there with me for just a moment. Because this may be maybe the most important thing I've said all morning. Because we're coming full circle, back to alignment. John is also teaching us in verses 19, 20, and 21 of 1 John 3 that alignment only takes place in the presence of God. I can't align my life with God outside of his presence. So you again begin to think of how counterintuitive it is when we as Christians go, I'm struggling with God, I'm struggling spiritually, I'm not coming to church, I'm not reading my Bible, I'm not praying, I'm not fellowshipping with other Christians, I'm not worshiping at all. We're actually doing just the opposite of what we should be doing. When we're struggling, when we're hurting, when we're maybe even mad at God or upset with God or disillusioned with God, the only way to align that and get it right is not by avoiding the presence of God, but by running into the presence of God. Amen. That's why John says, and by this we know, verse 19, that we've come to know the truth and will convince our conscience, where? In his presence. Where is my conscience dealt with if there is an issue? Not outside of his presence, in his presence. And then John goes on to say, if our conscience condemns us, well, God's greater than that. And he knows all things. And if, if there needs to be a course correction, you know, why do we have to, as human beings, take our cars in to get the tires lined up every once in a while? Because the beating that they take on the roads, guess what? Our tires get out of a line. They get out of balance in order to have the better gas mileage and, and make sure that, you know, we don't have accidents and something on the road. We need to go in for that daily, you know, maintenance or that every once in a while maintenance on our car and alignment so that everything keeps running properly. Sad to say, many Christians don't ever think about their spiritual life that way. And yet every Sunday and every Wednesday here at the Oasis or maybe Thursday or Saturday with the men or thirsties with the women. We have opportunities for you and I to get aligned with God. And we're not taking advantage of being able to come into the presence of God with God's people and get aligned. We avoid it and then wonder, why is my life so bumpy? And why am I not able to navigate life? And why are so many things bothering me and getting to me? And, and why am I so upset and full of angst and all of this all the time? Because we're not getting aligned. And the only way you and I get aligned with God, even when there's something wrong, is in his presence, not outside of his presence. Amen. So that's why John says, you've got to come into the presence of God get taken care of what needs to be taken care of that can only be taken care of in his presence so that, verse 21, if our conscience does not condemn us, we have confidence in the presence of God and whatever we ask of him we receive because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him. Amen. John says this is fellowship. Fellowship is an aligned heart that becomes an alive heart, that becomes an assured heart, that becomes an asking heart. 
It's all right. It's my own grandson. <laughs> He's like, Granddad, it's time to quit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I hope those of you here today, in a sense, have heard my heart in this. This message is not me saying to all of you, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> My heart in all this is that we're all in this together. Amen. And that God has so much more for us than what we've yet to experience. And that God wants to take us individually because he loves us individually, but also as a church to a whole other level. And the only way, guys, we're going to get there is to do it his way, not our way. Our way doesn't get there. His way always does. And here's his way. Align your heart with my heart. Come alive like never before. Have such assurance in your life that you will just, you can't wait to get into my presence and not only live a life of worship in my presence and prayer in my presence, but you'll come into my presence continually asking me for things because you know my heart for you. You know what I want to give you even before you ask it, and everything you ask, you will receive from me because you, you and I are on the same page. That's the life God wants for his children. And so few of us as Christians experience that because instead of moving from relationship to fellowship, we're satisfied and settled for relationship only. And God says, no, no, no. There's so much more I have for you than where you're at right now. Won't you come and experience all that I have for you, says the Lord. Could we stand? God, we are in your presence right now. And I pray, God, that while we are here in your presence, that we would allow you to align our hearts with yours. May we not leave this moment, this building, this time together as Christians on this Sunday, the 28th of July, 2019, without God taking the time, seizing the opportunity in the moment to align our hearts with your heart. Because God, you've got so much more for us than what we've yet experienced. And God, the only way we're going to experience it in this life is to come your way, to lay our life aside and to do it your way, not our way. Our way never works. Your way, God, always works. So God, would you work here today and would we be a people that are pliable in your hands would we allow you, God, to make us and mold us after your will? Truly, God, take our life. Make it what you want it to be, not what we want, God. Take our church, God. 
Make the Oasis Church everything you ever dreamed for us. May we truly desire to experience it all, God, before we come and come into your presence, God, in, in glory. These things we ask in Jesus' name, amen.